Welcome in to another episode of the Esports Network podcast, presented as always by Esports Network. I'm your host, Mitch Dreams, and the topic of today's podcast is how to explain esports to friends, colleagues, coworkers, parents, or really anybody who doesn't quite understand what esports and the wider video game space is. So, fans of esports have often found themselves in the what can be a very tough situation, which is trying to encapsulate a very wide industry for somebody who really has no basis of knowledge for what esports are. And the conversation usually starts with an incredulous question from that person, like, people get played, paid to play video games? Why would people watch others play games when they could just play them? Or something like, esports aren't really sports, or, you know, variations of those different questions. And those can be very tough to answer as you have to, again, encapsulate all of esports in a way that somebody can understand it and sees the value in it or the merit. So I wanted to start with just quick responses to each of those three questions because those come up so often. So just having a immediate response to that is an important way to start the conversation. So question number one, people get paid to play video games. Yes, just like any other sport or hobby, people enjoy watching the best people at something that they do. And when there are eyeballs, of course, the dollars are soon to follow. Esports players are earning upwards of six-figure contracts with some probably touching a million-dollar mark. Now, although all those contracts are held under lock and key, so can't give you exact numbers, but most League of Legends pro players are in the six-figure range. So yes, people are making money, and if you want to talk about streamers, there's a ton more there too. The second question, why watch people play video games when you could just play them yourselves? The best way to do this, if you're talking to a traditional sports fan, which so many people or is, why do you watch the NBA Finals if you can go play pickup basketball outside? Because you enjoy watching the best people do things that you could never, ever hope to dream of. And playing a random bronze or silver match doesn't have the same exhilaration or skill level as watching pro players do it. And that's the simple reason. Anybody who watches traditional sports is making this choice all the time. They're choosing to watch people play instead of go play games, which are usually things that they could go outside and do not on the same level. And the final question, esports aren't real sports. And my favorite answer to this is, does it matter though? Esports are digital sports. That's what that E represents in common language. Email is digital mail. E-commerce, digital commerce. E-sports are digital sports. It's not a tough concept to grasp, but because sports hold such an important part in today's society and so many people's lives, they don't like something being called sports that they don't see as being a sport. But that's the thing is, People aren't exactly calling them sports. They're calling them esports, as in digital sports. So that key distinction, people like to skip over the E and be like, well, that's not that's not a real sport. Doesn't really matter. The uh, there's a ton of athletes supporting it, and when you talk to people like 
Rick Fox, the owner of Echo Fox, or Jared Jeffries, his president of operations, both former uh, NBA players. When ex-athletes see esports players and they see the dedication and the grind and the practice and the intensity, and they're like, oh yeah, that's similar to sports, that's good enough for me. It doesn't have to be considered a valid sport. Esports are esports, and they're growing, and they're beautiful, and they're fun to watch. So that's how I answer those three common questions, which is usually a good place to start a conversation. But if you want to get into a longer discussion about it, I think the next place you should probably head is the numbers. They don't have any idea what's happening in esports. The just sheer numbers of it are pretty staggering and usually help give a good perspective of what esports actually is. Esports organizations are now worth over $100 million. A lot of them are, like eh, 5 to 10, don't have the exact numbers, but you can check it out on Forbes. Every year, Forbes releases a um, statement of the largest esports organizations. The top ones are worth 200 to 300 million, and quite a few are worth over 100 million at this point. And they regularly raise funds ranging between 20 and 50 million. Esports organizations are still startups. The esports is so new that they operate under raising capital on the promise of future returns. Very few are, uh, none of them are actually profitable right now, um, but that's not exactly an anomaly in the tech space. You have giants like Twitter and Uber and Facebook operating at losses, and that's just how the tech world sort of works. And esports are an extension of that. Yes, they will have to generate more revenue later, but people don't seem to be worried. Right? With all the different dollars going into esports, uh, investors don't seem to be worried about the lack of revenue right now. Sponsorship deals are one of the major sources of revenue, and fortunately, a lot of those are going to the leagues, would not the teams themselves. But those sponsorship deals are approaching and passing $100 million. Uh, MasterCard announced a global sponsorship of League of Legends with a number that wasn't announced, but I'm absolutely sure it was worth over $100 million. Uh, the Nike Nike signed an apparel deal with the League of Legends Pro League that's just the Chinese section of competitive League of Legends, and it was initially reported at $140 million. That was disputed. It took three months. The deal came out again with an undisclosed amount, but I'm still going to say pretty safe bet that it's over $100 million. And actually, just recently, just today, uh, this is going recorded on Wednesday, 529. If you listen to the Esports Minute, I'm going to plug that real quick. That is our 90-second version of this podcast where I give you one esports story from the day, just exactly what you need to know, keep you up to date on the esports business world. Well, today's was Puma signing a deal with Cloud9, and sports business journal's Ben Fisher said that that was a um, seven-figure... No, an eight-figure deal. He said that was an eight-figure deal. So over $10 million in between 10 and $99 million deal for Puma to run Cloud9's apparel. So that's a big source of income for Cloud9. And a pretty huge deal for Puma as well, because Cloud9 is, I believe, the most valuable or the second most valuable esports organization. And being able to use their branding is awesome to see as the major apparel manufacturers get more involved in the esports. So the other big numbers, money is obviously important, but viewership is also huge. The largest esports events can draw hundreds of thousands of viewers. In fact, 
people like Tifu who can draw 200,000 viewers as they just stream from their bedroom watching World Cup games. And that kind of throws people for a loop. But people love to watch streamers. And streamers are a whole different aspect. I mean, maybe that's a worthwhile another pos- uh, another podcast. Why do people watch pe- others play video games? Um, not just in competitive setting, but just casually. But not going to talk about that right now. But the point is that there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people watching esports events. And sometimes stats are thrown around like, League of Legends draws more viewers than the NBA Finals or the Super Bowl. Don't listen to those stats. Those are pretty hyperbolic. And that's because Nielsen, the linear television tracking service, tracks viewership much differently than streaming services. So it is an apples to oranges comparison when you try and compare traditional sports viewership to esports viewership. And while it is a nice uh, way for people to understand it, it isn't factually correct. So do be wary of using those type of comparisons. But you don't really need to because there are just an absurd amount of people watching esports. Even in America, Twitch TV, which is only available in America, has hundreds of thousands of people watching events like the League of Legends finals, the Overwatch League finals, uh, IEM Katowice, which is a CSGO championship. And that's not even including the millions of people watching from China. China has over a billion people, and esports and video games are larger there than they are in America. But Chinese, but China, the Chinese government, who obviously they have a... Um, being politically correct here they don't have a very open government and they don't allow those streaming numbers from their proprietary streaming services to be out there but it's safe to say that chinese viewership is massive and much larger than american viewership so that's a good example of just how large esports viewership is it's in the millions for the biggest events and it is comparable to traditional sports like i said i'm not going to make a you can't use the direct numbers but that is a transition and nielsen is actually getting into esports viewership so hopefully there are some more standard metrics where we can compare sports and esports viewership and i actually brought on nicole pike nielsen's general manager of esports for a podcast, which if you've been listening is on my defunct computer, which is in the process of being fixed and the data recovered and that podcast will be up soon, but it's stuck in my broken computer. Um, but that that podcast is going to be up soon and Nicole talks about the differences in esports to traditional sports viewership. So I think you'll enjoy that podcast if you want to learn more about how the different services track viewership numbers. The point is though, a ton of of people watch esports and they watch them in person as well not just through tv the overwatch league finals sold out the barclays center in new york the league of legends world sold out the beijing olympic stadium iem katowice in a polish town sees 70 to 80,000 people go to a town with a population of 200,000 they just all come in the winter They all go to Poland in the winter to watch Counter-Strike events. And uh, they usually hold, last year they held Fortnite. They used to hold League of Legends events, but they stopped recently. 
But that tournament is massive and you have people all traveling to this relatively small city in Poland to watch esports. And so people really do make that trip. So now if the person you're talking to is still engaged in the conversation, hasn't left you at the water cooler a long time ago, I think the next topic worth touching on is the history of esports, where it came from and where it is now. And I think that's important because it shows that esports aren't a relatively new phenomenon, even if they've just encountered it. And it's important to start at the very beginning because it shows that esports are just a natural extension of humans' desire to compete in things, just like sports or uh, competitions. You do any almost anything that's skill-based has people judging it based on skill. Even we award things for, for marketing groups and anything you can do, people want to know who's the best at it. That's just sort of how humans operate and esports is a natural extension. So the first recorded video game competition was actually held at Stanford University in 1972 and the students there were playing a game called Space War with an exclamation point. And the prize the, for the winner of the tournament was a year subscription to Rolling Stone. That was where esports began, where competitive, I shouldn't call it esports, that comes later, but that's where competitive video games really started, and you know, in 1972, that was the days of Pong, and games like that, so as early as you could play games, people were competing in them, and creating tournaments, and awarding prizes. So, as, the, as video games progress, and they become better and better, uh, the 1990s come around, and PC gaming really begins to take off. Suddenly you can play against other people, interconnectivity, it's not just located to arcades or what have you. So in 1990s, a lot of huge games come out that are really the basis of modern esports. And those games are games like StarCraft, the original, Counter-Strike, again the original, uh, Quake, which no longer has a huge esports scene but was massive in the 90s, and Street Fighter. Uh, those were some of the really big games from the 90s, and three of those four titles are still played in future versions of those games today. So that is how esports has developed over the years, and the 90s is really when it began to take off, and in some areas more than others. The country that was really leading the way is South Korea, and in the 90s they were providing financial incentives for growing broadband capabilities, which led to the rise of PC bangs, which are basically uh, PC cafes where people can play video games against each other, and made esports into a more community and acceptable thing. In the year 2000, they formed the Korean Esports Association, which is a government body trying with the, it's a government body whose goal is to uh, institutionalize esports within the country, trying to find the right word there, but basically to provide official uh, support for esports so that tournaments can be formed, teams can be founded, and this ecosystem can get professionalized. And that was in the year 2000. So that's why when you look at games like League of Legends or Overwatch, it's the South Korean players are just the best per average. So for a very small country comparatively population wise their players are so so good and a large part of that is because the country the government actually supported esports from the year 2000 so you've got 19 year old kids who are competing in the overwatch league 
who have always grown up in a world of esports being a recognized profession. And that's much different than it is in America. So let's bring it over to uh, Europe and to America. And both scenes have developed in different ways. And in the 90s, both had a nice up upstart. They just didn't have as much uh, formal support as they did in Korea. But in, the giant in the 2000s is, was Major League Gaming. And that is where a ton of the people who now run esports organizations, esports companies, a lot of the executives got their start at Major League Gaming. And that was, uh, it was an organization that put on mostly Halo and Call of Duty tournaments in the 2000s, but they experimented with a lot of various games. And they even got a pretty massive investment from Rupert Murdoch in the mid-2000s, about $40 million or something like that, which was just a huge, huge investment for that time in esports. Unfortunately, that investment probably came a bit too early for where esports capabilities actually were. And they pr tried to bring it to linear television, and it was just a little bit too much too quickly. Then, when the economy crashes in 2008, you can't try risky ventures like massive global esports leagues. The revenue streams weren't identified at that point. The support while encouraging, wasn't quite there for the investment to continue in an economic downturn. So that sort of forces a bubble to pop in 2008, and then right after that, it becomes a more... Uh, esports begins growing again, and esports gone through a couple of these things, and in fact, there was just a Kotaku article that just came out about a week ago arguing that we are in the third major esports bubble right now and that remains to be seen but there has been a ton of money that's entered esports recently and the question is is the industry ready for that massive influx of cash so getting off topic a little bit but 2008 was the last really great esports bubble and it popped of course so some games really fell off and never regained their status is quite that big halo being a great example halo esports are in a weird place right now with a very few they're just not that relevant which is so shocking for a game that was so culturally important as halo and was huge in esports actually for a long time and the other game call of duty is still a pretty massive esports so you can't exactly explain why halo fell off and call of duty didn't but that's how that's developed over the years MLG stick stuck with it. They are fine. Uh, they're still a huge esports tournament organizer, and in 2016, were bought by Activision Blizzard to help them run initiatives like the Call of Duty World League, the CWL. So yeah, Major League Gaming still rocking, but they were the company in the mid 2000s in America and in Europe. They really were pioneers in a lot of ways, and esports wouldn't be what they are today without Major League Gaming. But in 2010, a lot of things changed. You have the games, the games that are now the most successful esports, almost all were released after 2010. Uh, League of Legends being the only one released in 2009, and a lot of other games were follow-ups to titles that had already been popular for a long time, but still released after 2010, and that was because a lot of new innovation had happened that could bring games up and make games ready to be updated products and not, 
you know, they just needed a full reset to really make the games be the esport product that they needed to be. And so you had follow-up titles like StarCraft II, which came out in 2010. You had Counter-Strike Global Offensive, which came out in 2012. That's, of course, better known as CSGO, one of the largest esports in the world. You had Defense of the Ancients, better known as Dota. The second version came out in 2013. And like I said, then you had some new titles that came out from these massive developers. You've got... League of Legends, which came out of Riot Games, which is a brand new developer and is now arguably the largest esport in the world. That was released in 2009, but Riot didn't start holding formal competitions in it until 2011. You have Hearthstone, which took the uh, trading card space, the uh, card game space made by you know Yu-Gi-Oh! Magic the Gathering, and turned it digital. And that was released by Blizzard, who is also the developer of World of Warcraft. So they took the World of Warcraft characters just plugged them into a digital card game space, and they created the leading digital card game space, which is now a pretty large esport as well. You have Overwatch, and Overwatch marked a transition for games to start being created with the sole focus of esports. That's released in 2016, and the whole goal of the Overwatch is to be in the Overwatch League. And it's a very popular game in general. That's important as well. But it that was one of the first games that's made, and it's like, okay, this is going to be an esport. Uh, another game like that is Rocket League, which is soccer with cars, basically. And again, takes a old title, uh, Super Acrobatic Rocket Powered Battle Cars, or SARP BC, and becomes Rocket League, a way more skill-intensive, uh, less ridiculous version of SARP is Rocket League. And that was designed as well to be an eSport. That came out in 2015. So it's crazy because these are... Those are just about all the biggest titles in esports add Call of Duty to it, and I've covered like the uh, eight of the ten probably largest esports titles in the world. Fortnite being another one, and it's just a, it just talks to how quickly esports has developed, which is an important point when you think about traditional sports. And you're like, well, what is this esports thing? Well, it's brand new in a lot of cases. Yes, it's been around in some form, but a lot of these games are only three, four, five years old. And these esports scenes around them aren't that old either. So it's really a developing industry. And that's important to remember when you look at esports. It also is rapidly changing, way different than traditional sports. You know, traditional sports maybe moves back the three point line a foot, they get rid of hand checking. That's, uh, those are basketball references. That's what the NBA has changed since the year 2000. And since the year 2000, esports, everything's changed. So that's, it just operates on a different time frame. You have new genres being created, like Battle Royale, which is the most popular game type in the world right now, and it only began in the last three years. Fortnite's only two years old and just massive. Uh, Overwatch, Rocket League, and Hearthstone are all also titles that brought new, innovative looks to esports. And the other crucial thing that's happened in the last uh, 10 years is the rise of live streaming. That was the hardest part of putting on an esports tournament, was how do we broadcast it, how do we get it out to people? Well, suddenly with the rise of Justin TV which became Twitch TV, live streaming took off, making broadcasting esports tournaments much easier, and now they're eventually transitioning to linear television. That was what Rupert Murdoch tried to do in the 2000s, was bring esports to linear TV. Didn't quite work, wasn't ready for it, but live streaming was perfect because it took out a ton of those costs for it. People had to seek it out. It wasn't just throwing it in front of a casual audience being like, here, watch this video game. And the live streaming community was crucial for the growth of esports. 
And that takes us to about where we are today. Those different esports are huge. They are broadcast through Twitch primarily, but also YouTube streaming, Mixer. Uh, some tournaments are trying to work with Facebook as a streaming partner. And now some are moving back to linear television. It comes full circle. The Overwatch League has partnered with Disney and ABC to broadcast their some of their matches on linear television. So that's a that's an exciting progression to where we are now. Now I want to address some of those questions we talked about at the top, which are the common misconceptions about esports. And I did address some of these in a previous podcast called Our Common Esports Myths. So you can find that on the channel on the Esports Network podcast. If you scroll down, it's one of the first podcasts I did, and that talks about some of those questions like esports aren't sports. So I don't want to rehash that if you've actually listened to that already, and I appreciate you doing so. You can check that out for even more common myths and misconceptions about esports, but there's so many that I had no trouble finding some more that are pretty common. My first one is esports are replacing traditional sports. In a lot of traditional media, you see people compare esports and traditional sports, like the next generation of athletes is... Uh, sitting on, you know, they're, they're playing video games, they're not outside, The it's always this, this replacement mentality, and that's not necessarily true. Uh, they're, off, they're so often framed as competitors, but in some, some ways they are. Some ways they are competing for eyeballs, but so are, you know, is tennis a huge competitor with golf, and is basketball a huge competitor with hockey? Like, yes, but also... We don't talk about other sports that way, but because esports are such a new domicile, they are framed as a head-to-head competition, and I don't think that's fair. There are tons more similarities between sports and esports than there are differences. They focus on teamwork. They reward practice. They require strategy. They require quick reflexes. They are just heavily uh, stylized competition as from the best of the best in a way that you have a whole ecosystem underneath them that lifts these best players to the top and be like, this is the best. This person is the best. In so many ways, the esports ecosystem resembles the sports ecosystem and they don't need to be competitors. I like to use an example of my start in esports. So I was a huge sports nerd. I could recite the NBA Finals champion back to 1970 for some odd reason and i just loved every sport i would follow soccer hockey football baseball basketball i played tennis i liked golf i loved to just follow sports and i played three of them i played basketball i played football and i played tennis and in my junior year i got hurt i got hurt very badly and i couldn't play any of those sports those sports i'd spent so much time i'd always played so many sports and suddenly I couldn't play them at all. So I was jonesing for competition, for a competitive outlet, and I turned to video games and esports. And that was really when I saw the overlap between being a sports person and being an esports person. They're just competitive experiences and they're so much fun. And that's a that's a common path for a lot of people. While my start began with injury, so many people play sports and they play them throughout 
elementary school and into middle school they play rec leagues and then they get to call they get to high school and they try out and they make the freshman team and they work their way to the junior varsity and to the varsity and they work and they play in front of a big crowd and then they turn 18 they graduate high school and it's gone they i mean you can be the best and you can go play in college but a tiny tiny percentage of people do and then even if you play in college a tiny tiny percentage of people play after that so what do all those people who have spent so much time in these heavily competitive experiences turn to? A lot of them turn to esports. It makes sense. It's there. It's always a competitive environment. You can play with your friends. You can play with teammates. You can track your progress as you rank up. I mean, yeah, you can go play pickup games in the park or you can play intramurals. But those don't quite have the same stakes to them because nobody cares afterwards. You're not playing for anything more than really bragging rights in a lot of cases and esports gives you that rank system which is so important to a competitive person because you can see the direct result of your practice and your work so for sports fans esports just makes sense you're you enjoy competition you enjoy watching people be the best at what they can do why not play esports and then once you start playing esports you'll end up watching them in a lot of cases because once you play something and you get involved in something, you enjoy watching the best people do whatever that thing is. That's uh, that's just the sports world. That And a ton of people just turn towards watching sports. But esports are amazing because the opportunity never goes away. And you can watch or play it whenever you want. And the last point I wanted to address, the last common misconception is that esports are a fad and that is just if you've been paying attention to this digital world you'll realize that is not true the world is only getting more reliant on digital uh, interfaces and if you whether you think that's a good or a bad thing doesn't matter esports are not going away they're always going to be competition held on these platforms we're using so much and especially from the younger generation i mean i'm in my mid-20s and growing up, I wasn't surrounded by these types of opportunities. I wasn't that aware of esports were a niche thing back then. And you had to really be in the scene to know much about them. And that's no longer true. Uh, in Ask your kid about what the video game and streamer culture is like in uh, middle, high schools, elementary schools, even for Fortnite. It is huge. These kids are just surrounded by digital worlds and we see kids as young as 12 13 14 years old competing and succeeding at esports uh, so that is going to be the next generation of kids and that's why a lot of the money has entered esports is because of this upcoming generation and how huge esports is going to be when they really enter the decision making and the purchase power phase of their life which won't be coming for another 10 years or so but every year as we go on you're going to have more financial opportunities for a generation that is just entrenched in the esports industry so that was really the last common misconception i wanted to talk about i believe if you use the numbers uh you can confront some of those common issues that are often talked about when thinking about esports it can help explain to people but of course there's plenty of people who just have no desire 
to learn about it. And that's for preconceived notions, uh, the social uh, stigma of being a gamer or whatever they have pre like whatever they think about esports a lot of times you can't change it but esports aren't going away and the longer you stick your head in the sand and go la 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 i don't care about people playing video games the more out of touch you're going to seem as they really have esports and video games in general have really entered the mainstream a lot in the last two years and now it's become imperative especially if you want to invest in this industry uh, you want to connect with your kids who are usually interested in this industry or you just want a better idea of what's happening in the world around you knowing more about esports is a good way to learn a good thing to learn it's important to have that basis of knowledge and esports are only going to grow so i hope that helped explain how you might be able to explain esports some of the key things i love the history of it uh, just showing how it's developed over the years and that it hasn't just sort of come out of nowhere, even if they might just have first experienced it in the last year or two. It's actually been around and been developing for a long time and has had a lot of widespread support. So that's really interesting to me. And then the numbers. I Starting with the numbers is always good. You know, it's they make this much money and it's because they create that much value and that the next, you know, there's... The upcoming generation sees these kids on the same level as we saw athletes. They're going to collect pictures of them. They're going to collect trading cards of esports players. They're going to watch them on Twitch. And I want to do another one on streamers and why people watch streamers. Because that's something that doesn't exist in traditional sports at all. You can't watch LeBron, like a private feed of LeBron shooting hoops. Like you can almost every single video game player is out there just showing their gameplay constantly so that's a really interesting um factor in esports but yeah if you want to explain esports uh to a friend or a colleague maybe show them this podcast or i hope you use these notes and these were helpful to give you some basis of knowledge to shoot down some of those common misconceptions and like i said check out that esports myth podcast if you want even more then that talks about some of those big ones like Esports aren't sports, and there's probably some overlap with my explanations here. Um, also, talk about the capital S in esports and why you should not use the capital S in esports. That's a that's a sore point for a lot of the esports community. But yeah, esports and traditional sports very similar in many ways. And if you're a fan of traditional sports, I believe you will become a fan of esports if you spend the time to learn about them. Because it is just so similar. And that's exactly what happened to me. And it happened to, you know, my entire group of friends who reached their 20s, desperate for competition, found it through video games. That's all for this Esports Network podcast. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate you tuning in. As always, we're going to be back tomorrow with another long podcast going back to back. And I'm bringing on my friend Maxwell Bettendorf to talk about psionics and epic games acquire well epic games acquiring uh nate nanzer the overwatch league commissioner and what that means for the overwatch league what it might mean for rocket league and what it might mean for fortnite so that's a big executive move in the esports world we're gonna talk about that tomorrow so come back tomorrow if you enjoyed this podcast appreciate y'all listening and signing off for now